All right, all right, all right. <clears throat> Let's get fired up here. Maximum freedom. Read. Stay on target. Maximum Stay on target. Maximum Read Rothbard. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Actual Anarchy Podcast. This is our Thanksgiving special with Dr. Walter Block talking about Poverty, Inc. And this can be found at actualanarchy.com slash 51. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you that uh, it's, you still have time to get in on the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom Black Friday weekend special. He's got the best prices of the year coming up, and you can, you can find more at actualanarchy.com slash libertyclassroom. And if you do sign up through our affiliate link, we will give you access to the Rothbard Repository, which is a searchable database, keyword searchable database of Murray Rothbard lectures. And then you can find the timestamps where he talks about hundreds and hundreds of different topics. It's really great for research or for getting into Facebook fights and needing to find a, uh, a great rebuttal to something uh, such as somebody saying that Uber is a, is a blight on society and the taxi medallions are really the best way to go about allocating resources, uh, <laughs> things like that. So. Uh, another bonus we'll throw in, membership to readitfor.me. It's a service that business and leadership and personal development books into uh, 10 or 15 minute uh, digestible summaries. And so the concept there is if you are a very, very busy person, reading a, you know, two, three, four hundred page book can take several hours, four or five hours, something like that. So the idea here is that you get the main gist of their uh, summaries or, or their points all uh, in a very convenient package that's, that's uh, something that you can read a summary, you can listen to an audio of it, or uh, I think uh, you also have to maybe pay for this, but there's video versions of that. Uh, the membership that we're offering is a uh, light membership, which includes the audio and text summaries from the personal development category of books. And that's normally $89.99 per year. And you'll get that for free if you sign up for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom through our link. The first five to get the master level of the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom through our link will also get the readit4.me annual master class membership, which is the world's only master class program designed around the world's best business books. And what they do there is they go in a deep dive fashion in 52 of the most popular and influential business books. So you'll, you'll see Dale Carnegie's, you know, uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, a whole bunch of other uh, types of books where you actually get into uh, a summary and a discussion with facilitator-led discussions so that you can uh, get a really deep, deep understanding of these very, very powerful concepts in the most influential books in uh, business and leadership. So that is a, another extra bonus. Uh, that is normally $49 a month. And uh, so that's called the readit4.me masterclass. And if you sign up at the master level on the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, you will get that as a bonus if you're in the first five people to sign up on our link. And you can find our link at actualanarchy.com slash libertyclassroom. So, uh, and uh, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. How are you doing, Robert? Hi. Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, how are you doing? 
You doing well. Came right doing off well. And started right it off. That's right. We can we can do a retake if you want. <laughs> That's fine. So I have a question for you. Uh oh. I found myself vacillating back and forth several times in relation to this film, Poverty Inc. Yeah. When it was first brought up, I had a very what are the principles in play? You know, when, when Drake brought it up on our uh, bonus portion of that episode, I think it was Sharknado. And I was like, well, you know, it's free market. It's voluntary. Nothing wrong with it. S certainly there, there may be ill effects, but everyone expects to benefit. And the entrepreneurs or business persons who are displaced by this, they could be displaced by a new technology or new product at any, any time. All true. Mm -hmm. And then I watched the film. And it yeah. is compelling, I think. I mean, it plays into a lot of the things that I have held as problems, like the USDA and FDA subsidizing the overproduction of certain commodities in the United States uh, in an effort to further increase the bureaucratic and uh, uh, machine and, and budgets of that machine. And well, it is a misallocation of resources, isn't it? Right. It certainly is, and, and it's also a result of tax you know, involuntary right, contributions uh, right, supporting absolutely. that apparatus and, and thus distorting right. the market and what the prices would otherwise be. Right, correct. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of other, you know, issues, and I'm sure we'll get into them with, yeah. with Walter on the episode. But then I read his paper, and I'm like, yeah, he's right, you know, back to the principles. Yeah, yeah, he's right. But he's also confining his argument. He's very careful to confine it to just the ex-ante sense, just the voluntary uh, portions of it, though he does make mention of some of the state-directed um, aid in that how it's funded may be a problem, but the, the effect of the giving is still, in the ex-ante sense, the same as if it were a charitable thing. And it may yeah, have I mean, people, negative effects All people downstream. expect to benefit. Well, my issue wasn't with necessarily that, well, I've got plenty of things to say. Um, on the one hand, yes, everybody expects to benefit, and, and everybody has self-ownership, and if you don't think that you're going to benefit from getting this free stuff, then don't take it. Um, I think the movie does um, a poor job. Well, it can, I think it conflates harm to some, you know, like disrupting the market volatility to these, as Block would probably call them, bad entrepreneurs, as he calls them in this paper, with harm in general to like an entire group, like the entire country. Clearly, the people that are getting these free goods are benefiting. My question is, is this the best way to help somebody? Because I think the, the movie actually functions as an element of the market. It's, it's, it's figuring out another way of doing something. It is, I, I see it as a form of innovation. Is, is giving somebody a thing the best way to help somebody? I, I, I think it asks a decent question in that sense. Yeah, I mean, in and the I think economic sense, they are better off in the immediate, or, or they expect to be better off in the immediate. But there's a lot to be said for <clears throat> building dependency or the welfare trap, uh, also right. the enabling, right? Like, we all are probably familiar with the stories of, of a family member who's into some bad things, and uh, their parents or their relatives will continue to support them based on stories that, oh, they're going to turn it around, they're, they're using it for good purposes, but then they're out, you know, blowing it on uh, what would be, you know, probably not the best things for them, uh, at least in the observer's opinion, right? Like drugs, alcohol, partying, et cetera. Right. Yeah, I, I, I analogize it to, you know, there's a whole group of people, millions and millions of people in this world that have all their needs met and don't do anything productive. 
and those people are children. And it's only when you, the parents cut them off that they actually start to produce anything. And you can make an argument that, yes, those people are actually developing still and they're not fully formed brains and blah, blah, blah. But the analogy still holds, like what you were just saying, sort of like enabling, like when you're helping somebody do a thing that's contrary to their long-term best interests. But in the short term, you know, they think it's good. Right, yeah, and this also ties into that basic income guarantee argument where, you know, Block would probably argue, and we can ask him, that the recipients are materially wealthier, but it certainly perverts sure. the incentives. Exactly. Because, yeah, because now they're, now they're more comfortable in their current position, and the marginal difference between them actually going out and doing something productive is, is much smaller than it would otherwise be, so the leisure cost is much lower, right? They've lowered the cost of the leisure. Yes, and people would argue that, yes, my life is better. I'm spending, I'm choosing, I have different pr time preferences. I'm choosing to spend more of my time leisurely. But I don't think the point of the movie was asking, you know, do the people of Africa enjoy a great deal of leisure time? I don't think that that was the point of the movie. I think the point of the movie was Africa and Haiti and whatnot are not wealthy. And why is that? Uh, they, they may judge wealth in a different way. Like, we're, we have a great deal of wealth in leisure time. Great. But that's the standard. Maybe that's the standard of the West judging Africa and judging people that prefer to have leisure time. But I think that there are, uh, I think the movie did a good job of allowing people to sympathize with the struggles of the entrepreneur and the people that do desire to climb out of poverty. I mean, am I wrong? Well, I. I guess if you extend it to, okay, what to be, what's to be done about it? Like, I don't know if you read Walter's paper, but he basically says, here's the economic case. A gives something to B. <laughs> B accepts it. Right. Is, is B, yeah, is, right. is, yeah. Is B worse off? Is he, is, he, is he harmed? And by definition, no. Right. Now, down the road, there may be effects, right? Like we were saying, dependency, being enabled, et cetera, et cetera. And by the same token, you know, the other providers of, product X that A is now providing B are now faced with this new competitor that may be costless uh, to B. And so it, it does have, a, uh, have an impact on them, but it's, it's also the entrepreneurial profit and loss system. You know, it's, it's like they are now uh, a buggy whip provider. Yeah, well, I, 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 I know the movie spent a lot of time talking to entrepreneurs who are having it rough. And I think Dr. Block does a good job of smacking that fallacy kind of down. But I do think that I, I have sympathy in my human heart for these people and their struggles, as hard as it is to be an entrepreneur in this world, and then dealing with all the regulations and all the other bullshit. And then here's just one other added thing. I can have sympathy for them. Not to say that that's not you know, good information and it doesn't create better entrepreneurs. Um, I came up with an analogy, and tell me if you think it's accurate or not. But the movie did a good job of saying, you know, uh, disaster relief is fine and good, but constantly dumping things on people like a trust fund baby is not necessarily the most, the greatest incentive to induce productivity. So when someone trips and falls, you extend a hand to help them back up. You don't give them a pillow and a blanket to make them more comfortable on the ground. Now, maybe, you know, you'd probably take that pillow and the blanket and then you'd get up anyway. But more and more people with that dependence mentality are going, no, oh, it's actually pretty nice here on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that kind of ties into our, our other argument that we often bring up, and that is if most of your needs are met, then 
rather than going out and finding your next meal, you have the ability to complain from your iPhone about what Trump just tweeted, or you can yes. you know protest or march or make a knit hat that looks like a, a female genitalia. Um, so I, I am a little bit torn. There, there's also a divide in the appeal of this film, like libertarians like it, conservatives like it, Bernie Sanders types like it. Oh, maybe not Bernie Sanders type, but Michael Moore said glowing things about it, but so did Tom Woods. And yeah. uh, it was mentioned in the Tom Woods group just the other day that we were going to be doing this this movie, and, and a bunch of people chimed in and were like, oh yeah, that's such a good movie. You know, it's like a red pill. It's it's very appealing to a lot of people. It has a good message. You know, maybe, maybe there is some negatives to the current model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you read Wal- uh, Walter's paper, and it's like he's saying, "Well, these people are economically illiterate because it's the Acton Institute, and they're supposed to be free market and laissez-faire and and all this." So he holds them to a higher standard than if it were a Michael Moore or a Robert Reich type <laughs> documentary right. film, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do find it interesting that there is that divide on this particular movie because Woods is a smart guy. A lot of the people in Tom Woods' group are smart people. Um, and it goes well, back you can to get my... out of it. I think I think you can get out of it um, a bunch of different things because I, I tend to think that Walter focused on you know more of the negatives and less of the positives because I think the movie does do a good job of talking about and maybe not as much time is spent like I mentioned yesterday in the in our bonus content that you know a lot of the things that people need are clear titles and property rights and you know law and that sort of thing like just law and that sort of thing as opposed to all this bureaucratic stuff if you know somebody that knows somebody and if you got the money to you know deal with it like at one point i forget who they were talking to but was it in like peru where they spent somebody spent like a certain amount of time to get completely licensed and bonded for this one company and it was like something like a couple hundred days yeah it was something like 239 days versus somebody who was more connected could get it done in 40 days. But, it, you know, either way, I mean, it, that's a huge difference, but it's also you're just trying to produce value for people. You're trying to be an entrepreneur on top of doing all this bullshit. And I think, Block, of course, Block would agree with us that, you know, all this government bureaucracy is nothing but problems. Right, it should be zero days. Yeah, it should be zero days. It should be you open up a lemonade stand and the customers will decide whether or not this lemonade stand is good or not. I mean, I think that's about it. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. I, like I said, I have my quibbles. I mean, entrepreneurs are not guaranteed sales. Um, and when and, he, and, and Block is right when he says that you know you dump a bunch of goods on the market, it cheapens you know that those goods, that money that would otherwise be spent on more expensive goods, is now free to do other things. Right now, they can move on to more pressing matters because their problem of eggs or shoes has been alleviated, at least in the right. short term, and potentially in the long term, depending on the model that's that's used, uh, they make an example in the movie of Tom's shoes going from uh, being a sporadic thing to being more of a continuous thing. And then the reaction from the guy in Africa was like, oh, no, you know, like this is going to be a problem. Um, and well, I like think I, he was more bemoaning the idea that you're so poor that you always need free shoes. Need as opposed to I'll take them. I think there's a difference between somebody who's perpetually impoverished due to regulations and all that kind of bullshit. Yeah, though I did find his comment—I found his comment to be almost like the well. By saying this, he's really saying this other thing that he really wasn't saying. It was almost that leftist leftist tactic of um, oh, you mentioned all these marginalized groups, but you left out this one, so therefore you're a bad person for leaving this one out. I'm not sure what you mean. Who who's saying this? Is this Block or is this somebody in the movie? Uh, this was the guy who 
was shown the little Tom Tom Shoes video about you know it goes from being a sporadic thing to a consistent thing like he wants you to have shoes for life and and it's just that comment that you had uh, recalled that oh I don't want us to be dependent on these oh. shoes you know mm-hmm. he, he therefore he's saying that he wants us to be poor to always need these shoes no he's not saying that uh, yeah I don't I don't know if that's what he was saying that he was saying that the Tom Shoe guy wants people in Africa to be poor all the time so that they need shoes. I think there's a difference in the level of pride is what he was talking about in that, no, I don't need these free shoes as opposed to, sure, I'll take some free shoes. Like, I think Dr. Block is like, yeah, I'll take all these gifts. This is great. Dump all this stuff on me. Fantastic. Right. I'll find a use for them. <laughs> but, but give me, but answer me this. If, if you were to just have this, like if you were a, a parent and you continually supported your child completely their entire life, would they ever really produce anything? And that's, that's, I think, the argument that the movie's making. Yeah, though, isn't that an argument from effect? It's an argument from me judging somebody else's life. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to stick to just the very thin libertarian principles of is it an aggression or a fraud, the answer would be no. Correct. Uh, so in the libertarian analysis, that's pretty much as far as you can go. I mean, I guess in the Austrian, you can go into the economic effects and, and things like that, or uh, things that you can sort of perceive as happening or, or play out in, in your, you know, in your mind economically. Mm-hmm. So I think, like I'd said earlier, that, that Block is very careful to silo these things apart in his article, uh, his, his and Nathan's. And uh, I, I do agree that there's more to it than what he's narrowly focusing on. I would say yes, because I think the movie does do a strong argument for, you know, if you really want to help somebody. You can help somebody by giving them a thing. Absolutely. That removes their need for the thing, and it frees them up to do something else instead of getting that thing. But if you want to make somebody more rich, if you want to really empower them, I would say that a better solution would be to trade with them as opposed to just giving them stuff. Not to say that both don't help. I would say both help. But one is, I think, in my, in my estimation, in my judgment, in my on high judgment, <laughs> declaring what is true – for everybody else in the world, I would say that trade is better than charity. But both help. Yeah, I mean, they're materially no, I... better off, though, They, you know, to use the analogy of the fishermen, right? Like being given a fish or learning how to fish. But both can be aid, right? Like learning yeah. something, learning a skill, acquiring knowledge via charitable means. And that is also giving. Um, and to Block's point in the paper, he says, well, even if you're giving the guy a fish, he doesn't have to fish that day, so maybe he can make a hat. So now he's a hat richer. Right. Now, since we're judging this movie, I mean, we are essentially critiquing the movie. Do you think that the movie is more along the lines of what we're saying or more along the lines of what Dr. Block is saying? Like, is it okay, – I get my thoughts together here before he gets on. Um, do you think that it was saying that charity is bad? Or do you think that it was saying that charity just isn't quite as good as these other things, as trade? Because I think it did a pretty good job arguing for property rights and international trade. And, and, and Dr. Block, in his article, he says that it shits on uh, international trade. Well, because in a, in the a end, sense, at the end, there, was those, there were those uh, necklace maker ladies who were selling their products in the United States. That's international trade. Sure, sure. It is, but I guess he's probably picking on that they're not being consistent with the economic principles in play. Like well, they were interviewing rando business owners in places. I mean, these are not economists that we're talking to. Sure. 
Sure, but it is also a documentary made by people who claim to be free market economist types. <laughs> so true, and you do select, you know, what information to show. It's true. All right, that, that works for me. So let's go to the Google description, very short. Poverty Inc. 2014 historical documentary slash documentary, one hour, 34 minutes, 7.7 .7 on the IMDb, 94% of Google users like it. And it says, very briefly, filmmaker Michael Matheson Miller investigates the complex global industry of foreign aid and scene. <laughs> All right, not much to talk about there. Yeah, that's, uh, if anything, it's, it has poverty in the amount of information provided in the <laughs> Google description. Yeah. Yeah, so not a lot to pick on there. Um, but this is our Thanksgiving episode, and I felt that it's sort of a, you know, that time of year where people are thinking about the less fortunate, and uh, Walter Block had done an article about this particular movie. It had been recommended by our buddy Drake, who was a, a guest and a benefactor of ours uh, several times. And uh, so it, it made sense to kind of make this be a special. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we did it. I, I think this is an interesting movie. I think it should be seen and discussed and debated between all kinds of people. I think everybody should see it, whether they believe it entirely or not. I think it was well made in general. And maybe, you know, Dr. Block will point out, you know, the, uh, the candlemaker fallacy and the broken window fallacy. And I think he's right to do those things. So maybe those can get a little more visibility. But then I also think that this is a good movie to show, you know, your average care hard socialist type that just wants to give people free shit. And uh, of course it helps. I'm not saying it doesn't help. But like, I, think, I think it's a good question to ask. Has there ever been a country that's ever become wealthy from free stuff, just to help? Or anybody in general, even a person. Uh, there's a difference between getting somebody back up on their feet and um, nursing them along like they're a baby their entire life. Now, we can get into the economic aspects of it, and we already have, that you know, when there's a voluntary trade happening or even a vo any kind of voluntary activity, both parties or all parties are expecting to gain. And then maybe down the, lo down the road, you're like, oh, you wake up 20 years later, you're like, oh, my God, I've been a, a man-child for the past you know, 20, 40 years. Not speaking from experience at all. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I, I am challenged with as a parent as well. Yeah. Yeah, we're already doing things with our girls to to help them learn the value of doing work towards a goal and, and earning earning money, you know. I mean, it's fiat currency, of course, but the principles are, you know, you have to work towards something, save up capital, um, learn how to exhibit uh, your time preference in, in a way that's, helping you achieve your goals versus not, you know, being short-sighted versus uh, a longer horizon, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do think so, that the movie was interesting, and I, I do think you're right that people should view it, and it's in stark contrast to the other documentary that we recently watched, The Inequality for All, and that's episode 49, so just, just two episodes back now, and that thing was, uh, as expected, a turd burger. It was a flaming dumpster fire that just reeking and stenching and belching all kinds of idiotic crap. Now, I don't know. Maybe Dr. Block would say that this movie is even worse because it should be better. But I don't think so. I think there's, there's nuggets to be, get, to be gleaned out of this. Um, yeah, you know, you're almost uh, you're making a good point here because in his article, he picks on the movie for holding it to a higher standard. But that's also to say that he, he's almost denouncing the entire thing, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, 
when much of it is not objectionable, it's almost as if I were to say, oh, Maria Rothbard and I disagree on one or two things, therefore, Maria Rothbard's no good. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, you'd be, like you said, throwing the baby out of the bathwater there. I think there's plenty to be gotten here, even if you don't agree with it all. Um, I wish he had spent more time on the private property rights and that sort of thing than maybe interviewing, you know, uh, a bunch of displaced uh, entrepreneurs. But like I said, I, I have sympathy for these entrepreneurs. It's, it's hard enough out there for a pimp and for, you know, having to deal with all that shit. Now, there is there's one point in the paper that kind of stuck out to me, the point of the chickens and the church. Right. Now, in Dr. Block's article, he goes, well, then the intelligent entrepreneur would just lay back and bide his time and wait for these free eggs to pass and then make a killing once the prices go back up. I, I, I hate to say the word privilege because I, I hate it, but um, there may be some economic factors that he may not be considering in this equation. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe this, this, this poor chicken farmer may not have any food to feed his chickens with. In the meantime, while he's laying back and biding his time for this entire year, I mean, uh, maybe if he had some savings and some land to get a loan off of, but I don't necessarily know that that's the case with all the land issues and the title issues. So uh, I, just, I just have sympathy for the guy. Yeah, and it did say that he sold his chickens, and so ostensibly they went to someone else who could have used them for other productive means. So it doesn't mean necessarily that overall that region experienced a net loss in any respect. I mean, they still did gain a whole bunch of eggs for free from the charity. This particular person was impacted, but that goes back to the entrepreneurial profit risk. and loss system. You know, yeah. there's risk involved. Uh, and who knows what happened to those hens when he sold them? I mean, maybe they went to individual families who now uh, can raise their own chickens and have their own eggs, and they're better off. So to right. take just a snapshot is um, clearly not able to see the entire spectrum. You know, there's a whole web of interactions. It's, it's, it's harder than even predicting the weather, I would think. Yeah, there are certainly millions and millions and billions of parts and you know, pieces in play at any given time, moving parts, so to speak. But and I do like agree. Said, I, I do have sympathy for the guy. Yeah, I, I have sympathy for the guy. It's true. And you can only interview so many people in a documentary. But um, to conflate harm for this one guy to meaning harm to everybody is, I think, a fallacy for sure. And I think the movie is guilty of that. Um, they do interview you know, a certain number of people, and they say all this harm is being done. And therefore – but they also showed – they also showed – video of people, you know, grabbing rice off trucks and looking pretty happy about it and grabbing shoes and digging through, you know, cheap, cheap uh, American used clothing and being perfectly happy about it. Right. Yeah. So, like the, the one guy said in Haiti, like rice used to be a luxury item that we'd have a few times a week. I know it's so plentiful that we have it coming out our ears and we have it three meals a day. Well, yeah, that sounds, like, sounds like a good sounds, thing. <laughs> sounds great, man. <laughs> you know, like uh, maybe you weren't having three meals a day before. I don't know. But it, it right. also, they, they set up the whole film, uh, at least the opening scene with, with Haiti, with a bunch of interventions that had happened even prior to the earthquake that they allege made the earthquake even worse than it would otherwise have been. And it's all these do-gooders um, with government trying to do this trifecta kind of plan of marshalling the people from the outlying areas into the cities to work in factories to benefit the manufacturers so they can build sweatshops, which I'm fine with, you know, if someone wants to invest capital and, and provide opportunity for people to make 
cheaper goods, they have a voluntary decision to make there if it's going to be a better option for them than something else. And you and I and, and, and others benefit from cheaper goods, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -huh. But it's, it's when it comes to this social engineering and this uh -huh. sort of uh, model that, as they presented in the film, I think it's probably pretty accurate, at least based on some anecdotal discussions with your sister, like we talked about uh, yesterday for episode 50 uh, with a professional asshole uh, on some of the bonus content, where she knew people in the UN and they were in third world countries living very, very well, air conditioning, servants, tax-free income, uh, and, and a portion of that expenditure would, would eventually make its way out to the, uh, to the people, quote-unquote, in need. So I think that there is a, a lot of fat in that area, um, especially when you're involving state and uh, international organizations that receive their funds through un involuntary means. So I think that's right to denounce that for sure. Yeah, I would agree with all, all the anti-government stuff that was presented in the film I thought was fair. Um, do you want to get into the NGOs? Because I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. I, I wondered if you had any thoughts about the NGOs, as if these are completely benevolent organizations. Um, well, I, I, I assume they are, for the most part, but maybe they're just not the best at what they do. I don't know, because they're not operating under the profit motive. They're not, they're not having to compete with each other. And therefore, they're not coming up with the best solutions to problems. I don't well, know. They do. They do have to compete for contributions, right, from donations and whatnot. Uh, though I do think yeah, that yeah, that's true. Okay. There's probably some distortion in how NGOs function because of the state involvement, right? So the state sort of builds this superstructure that then the NGOs and the other uh, players in this mechanism that's depicted in the film kind of glom onto. And one of their contentions was that all these people are working within the existing framework that is a bit of a failed framework. And uh, they likened it to the model being based on the Marshall Plan, which the movie seems to purport was actually beneficial to Europe, uh, where I think there's a whole bunch of evidence that it was not beneficial. And it was only after it ended that people were finally able to, through free market processes, uh, begin to recover from that. Because uh, that money had to come from somewhere, right? came from sure. taxpayers in the United States who were already uh, suffering the effects of uh, financing the war effort and rationing and, and all of these other issues that Robert Higgs gets into in, um, in his works. So I think that to use the Marshall Plan as, uh, as a success is to sort of buy into the you know, high school civics class, history class level of, of critical thinking. Uh, now, they were saying that that model doesn't work today, uh, which is true, right? But it also didn't work back then, is, is my point. Yeah, well, uh, anytime you're doing central planning, you're misallocating resources that the free market would otherwise put them to more efficient use. So, yeah, I, I don't even, I mean, just, just theoretically, it wouldn't work. Theoretically, you're right. I, I, I don't necessarily need to see a bunch of data. Yeah, it's not even something that needs to be really empirical, though I'm sure that there is certainly empirical evidence. However, uh, as we get into with um, you know statistics and and uh, the whole mode of economic analysis based on empirical evidence, you can sort of frame it in ho however terms you want to achieve the results you desire. Yeah, yeah, that's why I, I hate getting into arguments about facts. I mean, like Larkin Rose talks about, you know, facts are an easy way to, for an agitated mind to retreat into. And we can argue about facts all day long and never get anywhere. So let's, let's talk principles, let's talk consistency, and I think we'll get far better places. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about the subsidies and the rice issue. Now, clearly, this is a misallocation. Taxes are being stolen from people and then given to the winners that the government picks, driving down the cost of rice, meaning uh, – or I don't know. They're, the, the movie makes the claim that they're like able to produce more with this extra money, and then they can dump it on the, the third world really cheaply because the cost of rice is so cheap to make, and then you also don't get a whole lot of money for it. But, but they only make the claim that it's only due to subsidies. And I think that they're just that leaves out the idea of the mechanization and the improvements in the technology and the bioengineering that allow for large yields. Yeah, I think that the subsidies in the United States regarding um, agricultural products is a misallocation that tends to over-mechanize and create an oversupply. Uh, so not only is it subsidized, but it's already it's also mechanized, so it's even cheaper and thus harder for the other countries to compete with them. Right. Now Hi, that's this is Walter Block. Hey, Walter. Hey, we made it. They said we couldn't, but they were wrong. <laughs> we're doing it. Yeah, we've been going for about a half an hour, uh, making reference to your article along the way, but we can sort of uh, do a, a, a reboot and just start wherever you'd like to start talking, Walter. Whatever you say, I'm in your hands. All right. Well, uh, this is our Thanksgiving episode, so this will come out the 22nd, so just the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, okay. we felt like, you know, it's the spirit of charitable giving and uh, be good to your fellow man, so why not talk about Poverty, Inc. and your article, which, um, as we've uh, been discussing already, it, it creates a lot of division, I think, among a wide spectrum of people. Um, are we taping now? We are, yes. We are recording oh, presently. Great. Good. Yeah, so, you know, off to a running start here. Good. Uh, but uh, one, of the, one of the points I was wanting to make was that people on the left and people on the right tend to view this film in a positive light. Uh, this was discussed in a uh, Tom Woods episode, I think 641 maybe. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes page. Uh, but also it divides um, libertarian types and free market types. Robert and I were, before viewing the film, leaning in, in the direction that we have since discovered was your position based on your article with Nathan. Um, but in viewing the film, it's, it's also somewhat compelling in its rhetoric, and I think it does point to a lot of problems that may exist in the ex post fact uh, versus the ex ante sense, as I think you're very careful to couch your article in the terms of in the very narrow economic scope of the ex ante. Right, yes, that's a good summary. So um, Robert and I have a series of, of notes um, We've already read the Google description, which is very, very short. It just says, filmmaker Michael Matheson Miller investigates the complex global industry of foreign aid. And that's, uh, that's the whole thing. So it doesn't really say much. But um, I don't know, Robert, do you want to sort of kick us off here? Yeah, I don't know where to start. Um, I, I, I want to ask Dr. Block if um, the, your paper was, was very critical of the, the film, but do you... Do you think that there's any positives to be gleaned from it, or do you think it, it's, it should be held to a higher standard based on who made it? Well, I think there are positives. I mean, it's very well done it, it, uh, in terms of, I don't know, articulation and music and stuff like that, in terms of the way a uh, filmographer or photographer would look at it. I'm sure it's a, a very professionally well done thing, but I think it's an evil film because it attacks the free enterprise system. 
And I'm a, a fan of the free enterprise system, and I don't much like uh, attacking uh, it. Uh, and when, I mean, people are free to attack it, of course, and when they do, I want to defend the free market system. See, the way I see it, there are really three aspects of the economy. One is government, which is pure evil because they use uh, violence and coercion. And the other two are uh, the commercial market where, you know, I sell you a sweater or you sell me some corn, which is uh, perfectly uh, legitimate. And the third one is the charitable sector. And I regard that as, see, a lot of people think that it's the charitable sector plus government is on the one side and commerce is on the other side. Oh, no, no, no. I don't see it that way at all. I see government on one side, the evil side, and then the good side is uh, commercial endeavors for profit and charity. And I'm a libertarian, and I'm an economist, and I look at uh, this film from both viewpoints. And uh, as a libertarian, I always ask, well, does what they're opposing constitute an invasion, uh, a a violent invasion, uh, a trespass, uh, an uninvited border crossing, in which case uh, the people who do this should be considered criminals and thrown in jail? And obviously, that's crazy. I mean, these are church groups that will give uh, people in, I don't know, some underdeveloped country, not developing country, underdeveloped country, they'll give them eggs or chickens or God knows what. And is that, should that be a crime? Well, no, it shouldn't be a crime. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, when I first heard the uh, expression dumping, D-U-M-P-I-N-G, I thought it was, uh, you know, like the Japanese were accused of dumping cars. And I figured that what they would do is they'd take a plane and they'd uh, drop a a Toyota at around 30,000 feet and it would hit somebody. And, well, you know, I'm against that kind of dumping. But, but, you know, if they want to, you know, give us a free uh, Volkswagen or a Toyota or something and we accept, well, um, that's not an invasion. So from a libertarian point of view, that's uh, not a crime and it shouldn't be stopped. Uh, now, I don't know that Poverty, Inc. says that it, it, these people uh, should be considered criminals. I don't think it does. But still, in order to be inclusive, I want to uh, make it clear that church groups that give chickens or eggs or milk or cows or whatever it is to underdeveloped, people in underdeveloped countries are not criminals. Okay, so that, that's it for the libertarian uh, perspective. Now let's look at it from an economic perspective. Look, suppose I give you, Dan, a sweater, and you accept it. I am now entitled to say that uh, economic welfare has been increased because I value your possession of the sweater more than mine, and you value your possession of the sweater more than mine. So I give you the sweater, and and you're a happy camper, at least ex ante. Now, ex post, it might be that God knows what will happen. Your girlfriend will leave you because she doesn't like the color of the sweater. Who knows? Okay, so possibly that can happen, and, but that's true in any purchase. Look, suppose you, you bought the sweater. Ex ante, we can conclude that uh, you value the sweater more than the 20 bucks it cost you, and the sweater owner, the seller, valued the 20 bucks you gave him more than the sweater he gave you. So ex ante, the, uh, there was an increase in human welfare. Ex ante. But ex post, again, your girlfriend is leaving you because of the stupid sweater, and uh, ex post, it didn't work out. So, yes, in the charitable sector, every once in a while, it doesn't work out. And in, in the commercial sector, every once in a while, it doesn't work out ex post. Usually, it does work out ex post as well as ex ante. It's very rare. You know, like uh, sometimes you, you get a lemon card. It really doesn't work that well, and you really regret ex post that you bought it. But usually, you know, the, you buy a new car or even a used car, they'll give you some sort of warranty. And, uh, you know, most trades and most charitable 
givings and receivings are uh, not only ex ante beneficial in the sense of anticipations, but also ex post. People uh, benefit from it. Okay, so now this stupid um, film, Poverty Inc., says, well, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to give uh, poor people a bunch of chickens. And, and then they'll stop. And what's going to happen is that the, um, the domestic chicken farmers are going to go broke because uh, everyone's getting free chickens. Well, the answer to that is uh, they, they'll anticipate this. What they'll do is uh, they will um, you know, increase, I don't know, is herd the right word for chickens? <laughs> I think it's the right word, flock. I guess flock for chickens and herd for cows. What they'll do is instead of uh, selling eggs while the, uh, the church group is giving out eggs for free, what they'll do is they'll uh, start making more chickens. Uh, namely, they'll let the, chicken, the eggs hatch. And then when the church group uh, stops, well, then they'll, uh, then they'll sell uh, eggs again. So uh, if, if they anticipate this, and it's true it's difficult to anticipate, but that's what entrepreneurs do. They anticipate things. So uh, even ex post, I think this is not so bad. And, and yet the, the film is you know, sort of against this, and uh, I don't think it's justified either on a libertarian ground or on an economic ground to oppose that. Look, the people uh, want those eggs. You know, um, let me start in again. I have an aphorism that the market benefits all participants. And uh, not only does the market, well, the market, the market uh, uh, promotes the welfare of all participants. Well, what about the blacksmith uh, when the, uh, Henry Ford came in with cars? He lost his job. Well, he wasn't benefited, right? But the point is, the market benefits all participants. He's no longer a participant because nobody wants the blacksmith services, or very few people do, after we have a car. Well, it's the same thing uh, with, um, with this. The charity uh, benefits all participants, and the participants are not the egg farmers. They're, they're no longer participants when they're giving out eggs for free. But the people who eat the eggs and the people who give the eggs, those are the only participants. So not only does the market uh, benefit all participants, so does charitable giving, which is part of the free enterprise system as well. Well, one of the main things that I gleaned from the movie was that charity doesn't incentivize someone to create wealth themselves and that there's never been uh, a country that has ever become wealthy through aid. What, what would you say to that, Dr. Bach? Well, uh, say that again. Well, that charity doesn't incentivize someone to produce a thing themselves or to produce wealth themselves. Like if you're having all your needs met, then you don't have an incentive to go out and create and produce and create value for your, to buy all that stuff yourself. Your, okay, your well, labor is freed uh, up to do other things that you may prefer. You may have more leisure time, and you may feel wealthier as a result. But I think the movie was making the claim that Africa is poor because they are not – they don't have the, the, tra the international trade that creates wealth. No, Africa is poor because there are a bunch of commies there. Uh, they don't respect private property. Uh, if this uh, egg uh, producer started uh, selling eggs at a high price – after the church stopped doing it uh, to compensate them for, you know, temporary uh, not being able to sell any eggs, they'd put them in jail. 
<laughs> the reason that they're poor has got nothing to do with uh, with a recipient. Look, there are countries that got rich uh, based on uh, reparations or payments. Israel is one. Uh, uh, Germany is one. Uh, the Marshall Plan. Um, Peter Bauer talks about that. That you know the Marshall Plan helped a lot of the uh, devastated, war-torn countries right after World War II. Look, uh, suppose I offered you, um, I don't know, uh, ten thousand a year for the rest of your life. Uh, are you going to accept it, by the way? I might. I might not. It might, it might create might me, a, me a lazier person. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> some people are like that. Who, who can deny that? Uh, on the other hand, it would free you up to, to do a lot of things you can't do now. You might be able to quit the, your lousy job if you have a lousy job. Well, not 10000 a year, but if I offered you 100000 a year, uh, you, you would be able to tell your boss to shove his job, and, and, and possibly all you would do is put your feet up on the couch and watch TV for the rest of your life. Or possibly you would uh, do uh, wonderful things. So you'd now be free to promote liberty, which I suspect is what you would do. So <laughs> it all depends. Now, some people uh, don't, uh, don't use money well, uh, other people do use money well. Um, I don't know. There are countries, as I say, uh, that had uh, vast reparations, Israel from Germany, Germany and uh, France and other countries from the U.S., and they did fine uh, with the money. I think that money helped them. So, again, once you're out in the world of ex post, uh, you can't make a definitive claim that every trade uh, benefits uh, eventually. Because, you know, it might make some people lazy, but these are very poor people. And, you know, that they, uh, that they get eggs for free or grain or whatever it is, milk for free, is, uh, I think, pretty good. Yeah, they're, they're materially better off. Like uh, in the Tom Shoes example, they now have gained shoes, and so they can devote whatever other scarce resources they have to their next, uh, next most desired thing, right, on their, uh, on their value scale. Uh, right. right, yeah. But regarding, now, you know, but I mean, it's true. We can look. If I give you this hundred thousand a year, and instead of working at a, a, a good job as you now are, you, you watch TV for the rest of your life and, and get fat, you know, eating chocolate or something, uh, I haven't really done you a favor. And you know, Bill Gates and other very rich people, they don't give their kids enough money to live for without working. They'll give them enough money to you know go to school or to you know maybe start a business or something like that. And I think that's not unreasonable uh, for some kids. Uh, other kids, you know, you give them the money and they'll use it for very good purposes. So you can't make a, a praxeological, apodictic statement that it always will have good effects uh, ex post. Ex ante, you most certainly can, because in their view, uh, a life uh, watching TV and, and eating chocolate is a well-lived life. And from an Austrian point of view, it's a little difficult to say, well, no, it's not. I mean, from a parental view, I wouldn't want my kids to do that. Uh, and I think most parents would share my view. But from the kids' point of view, this is hunky-dory. That's all they want to do is uh, watch TV and get fat. All right. So, Walter, if, if I'm going to take you up on this offer, I'd also add that you throw in a COLA as a kicker, a cost of living adjustment, because, as you know, inflation is going to eat away over time at that hundred grand and what it can purchase. <laughs> Oh yeah, well that that's true certainly. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I I could have said uh, giving you a hundred thousand dollars a year in real terms, which you know would uh, uh, would abstract from any inflation. I mean, the way inflation is going, pretty soon a hundred thousand isn't going to be that much. <laughs> right, we're all going right. to be millionaires. <laughs> right, zillionaires, billionaires, whatever. Uh, so. 
I, I, it sounds like you're saying that any effects of uh, the welfare trap or enabling would be ex post. And so uh, one of the quotes I like from one of the kids' movies that, that my girls like is uh, Rudolph and Frosty's uh, Christmas in July. And there's King Winterbolt, and he says, I could be greater than Santa. I'd give the little brats twice as many toys, and they would, they would love me more. They'd become lazy and dependent on me, and I would rule them all. And <laughs> that just makes me think of uh, how the, the state apparatus is, is playing a role in not only the welfare aspect, but also in this charitable giving and foreign aid um, as, as a means to exert additional control and I guess appease the um, the tax cows. Well, not even tax cows, because I guess these people would be on the receiving end of these things. But um, you know, the argument about uh, the immigration is going to bring people in who are going to then vote for additional handouts. That that whole thing. Well, I think you're making a very good point, an excellent point uh, to distinguish government welfare from private welfare. Uh, I think that's a crucial, uh, important distinction to make. Uh, um, Charles Murray uh, wrote an excellent book, Losing Ground. I think the system from the 50s to the 80s, I forget the rest of the subtitle. But he makes a very good point that uh, this sort of welfare is really undermine the black family and now even the white family. Uh, you've got three quarters of black kids that are brought up uh, with not an intact family. And he traces it to welfare because uh, welfare gave more money than uh, 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 to a pregnant uh, black girl and now a white girl. It's the same thing in um, in Sweden. They're having a similar problem. And it's not a black-white thing. It's mostly white people in uh, Sweden. But uh, the government gave black girls who were uh, pregnant uh, a better financial offer than the, the father of their child could give uh, on the condition that the father not be in the home. And uh, and 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 the black family is is broken up as a result of this. And and certainly, um, um, Peter Bauer has done uh, heroic work on foreign aid, which he says is a pejorative. Uh, he wants to call it government-to-government transfers of income. Uh, foreign aid implies that it, it aids anyone. I mean, when I talk about giving uh, and support giving, I'm talking about private giving, not governmental giving. Um, what Peter Bauer has is this three M's: M is in Mary. And uh, he has the three M's of, uh, of foreign aid. And it's, um, what is it? Um, Mercedes, machine guns, and monuments. Uh, namely, when, when the government, the U.S. or any other government, gives money to some underdeveloped country's uh, government, one thing that they do is they have a monument. And, and a monument could be a statue to the dictator, but it could be a steel mill that uh, produces steel at five times the international price. So what they're really doing is uh, losing out by having a steel mill as a monument or uh, an air force, or not an air force, but a, a commercial uh, airline. Uh, so that's monuments. Mercedes is what the uh, the dictator drives around in, and we all know what the machine guns are for. Uh, that's to keep the, the people down. So uh, Peter Bauer makes a, a very, very excellent uh, critique of government um, uh, transfers of income or welfare, and um, uh, Charles Murray does a, a very good job on domestic uh, welfare. So I don't want to uh, uh, conflate uh, what's going on with government and what, what Poverty Inc. is attacking. What Poverty Inc. is attacking is, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, private charity. And also, while I'm piling on, uh, in football, you're not supposed to pile on, but I think uh, I can be excused for that. They've also got this buy local crap, 
which is an attack on international trade. Somehow the, the, the local economy is better if they buy from somebody within 10 miles rather than 1,000 or 10,000 miles away. Well, this is just economic imbecility. And uh, these, you see, it wouldn't bother me, uh, Poverty Inc., if only the lefties uh, pushed it and, and the lefties said, oh, this is great. But too many uh, people who should know better, libertarians, uh, have been uh, supporting this. And even some of my students... Uh, have been and I'm, I've been trying to drum it out of them, but um, yeah, we've seen some of the public. emails back and forth. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm trying to educate my students uh, to the one true faith here, namely good economics, and I'm having trouble. And these are some of my best students, not not my worst students. So uh, it's a difficulty, but so I'm really uh, highly critical of this Poverty Inc. movie, and and I think it's uh, made up by uh, a bunch of pinkos, and and it's somehow. Uh, brought in libertarians who should know better. I mean, libertarians are supposed to be good on economics, and you know these people are, uh, you know, a disgrace. I don't, I don't mean my students are a disgrace; they're just students. But there are adults who are, you know, uh, supporting this movie, and uh, I don't know libertarian organizations that support this movie, and and I think that's a disgrace. Well, I mean, to be fair, there are some. Nods to fair crap. I don't want to be. Kidding. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Well, there are some nods to you know a lack of of uh, property rights and a um, you know equality under the law kind of aspect to this that is to set the stage for entrepreneurial efforts and and to be able to to organically grow their economy in those areas. And I think that does speak a little bit to free enterprise. It's, it's basically saying that the local governments, they are in the way, you know, all well, the red tape and regulations. I agree with you. There's another book uh, by Hernando de Soto, a Peruvian guy. I forget the title of his book. Uh, he's very good on you know, the fact that these underdeveloped countries don't respect private property rights. So if we're asking why is South America and, and Asia in dire straits, economically speaking, there are many reasons, and uh, all of them have to do with government and um, you know, a lack of private property and, and lack of uh, allowing people to make a profit. And, and if you um, uh, raise prices, you know, they, they'll come get you. So uh, there's a, a lot of explanation uh, as to why these countries are poor. But, you know, one of my books is this thing where we do, we compare, I did this with uh, Gwartney and Lawson, where we compared about 100 different countries. And we looked at the economic freedom of the countries, namely, you know, how big is the government and how long does it take to set up a legal business and uh, how about tariffs and regulations and things like that. And you'll never guess what we found. We found very, very strong correlations, not only between economic freedom and wealth uh, per capita, but uh, even uh, between economic freedom and growth. In, uh, in per capita income and wealth. So, yes, uh, the, Adam Smith said it very well, uh, the wealth of nations. Why is it that some nations are wealthy and other nations are not? And the answer is pretty much uh, because some nations have free enterprise and others don't. And this Poverty Inc. is uh, heading us in the wrong direction. It's heading us against free enterprise. So I think, uh, you know, men of goodwill uh, should stop on it. Daniel, are you having your mind changed? I'm, I'm curious. What's 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 going on here? Well, uh, before Walter came on, I was making the argument that uh, in reading the paper, it seemed as if it was saying that I may disagree with Murray Rothbard on a handful of things and therefore no longer listen to anything that Murray Rothbard ever said, uh, the baby with the bathwater thing. I do think there are some positive things in this film, and they do point to some problems. I mean, there is heavy-handed government involvement, not only in restricting the free market in those uh, local economies, but also in the, um, in the A side of the equation, you know, in the United States. Like, 
the whole apparatus seems to be uh, the infrastructure around the donations and the giving seems to be glommed onto uh, the UN and um, and the State Department and, and you know government and state sanctioned activities and I would think that it's still true in the ex-ante sense that the recipients are benefiting but so is the bureaucratic morass that bureaucratic structure where they're you know living high on the hog in these foreign countries like Theodore Dalrymple in his portion of the interview said that you know they they lived in um, palatial accommodations with servants air-conditioned uh, Toyota Land Cruisers uh, tax-free income all of this is is basically they're cut off the top of all of the donated money or the involuntarily donated money like the tax uh, sourced money that that was being used in these areas and so I think it's it's correct to criticize that portion of the um, equation the the state apparatus the bureaucratic nature that's on top of it I, I do see that the individual and purely donation purely charity things were unduly criticized in the ex-ante sense in this film. Well, I agree with you entirely uh, <coughs> to the extent that the film criticizes government. Look, I'm second to no one in my criticism of government. I agree with you there. Uh, the hassle I got into with my students and other people is not over whether uh, we think government is good. All my students think government is bad. Uh, there's no question about that. Yes, okay, maybe I'm being too uh, harsh. There are parts of the film that criticizes government. But, you know, the Acton Institute, which is supposed to be a free market uh, enterprise, uh, supported this, this movie. I mean, have these people lost their minds? I mean, I mean, look, I disagree with Murray Rothbard on, oh, one-tenth of, uh, one-hundredth of one percent of uh, everything in political economy, but I revere Murray Rothbard, and I, I, I think the Acton Institute is very good. Um, Bob uh, Sirico is an excellent economist, uh, and, but I think he, he really goofed on this one, uh, given that they, they supported this movie. Well, aren't they just basically making the claim that there are downstream effects that can be negative. So they're not just looking at the ex-ante sense, and they're not saying that these people who are giving these contributions should be put in jail. They're not saying it's a violation of uh, anyone. You know, it's not a fraud. It's not force. They're saying that there just might be some negative effects downstream. Well, yeah, th that's true, and, and I don't disagree with that. But the point is that the same can be said about the uh, free enterprise system. Look, uh, we free enterprises believe that we should legalize heroin, right? Yep. Uh, I, I take that as like a, a given. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just you know, if you don't believe that, you're not really a libertarian. Do we think that heroin is a good thing? No. <laughs> I wouldn't want my kids to use heroin. I I think uh, heroin is something to be avoided. But uh, from a free enterprise point of view, uh, you know, we want to legalize heroin, and and we want to show that the uh, the uh, effects of prohibiting heroin are uh, very deleterious. Okay, so they're making a point that uh, sometimes th these things can go astray, uh, but it's the same. But see, they they would never make a film saying that the free enterprise system can do this. They tick on on charity, and 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 yet, in my view, charity and and the commercial uh, uh, part of uh, of the economy are uh, are uh, both part of the economic freedom. So right, but aren't they? they Aren't they saying that perhaps it's just a, a, a thing worthy of examining and perhaps doing in a better way that maybe mitigates some of these negative downstream effects? So they're not saying, you know, don't do it, but they're saying let's rethink this a little bit. And isn't that a market mechanism? 
Well, you know, uh, look, it's free speech. I'm not, I'm not saying they're, they're criminal or anything like that. And if their message is to churches, hey, churches, uh, uh, be a little less volatile in your giving. If you want to give eggs, uh, instead of giving uh, a lot of eggs uh, every third month <laughs> and, and sort of screwing up the uh, domestic egg, okay, fine. But, you know, th- that's not what they're doing. They're, they're uh, really trying to undermine the thing at, at, at its roots. I mean, if they were just advising churches to, uh, or charitable organizations to uh, not, not be uh, so uh, volatile in their giving, okay, you know, I have no problem with that. But, but the way that the film comes across to me is, uh, you know, this is an evil, not, not a legal evil. We're not going to put him in jail, but this is an evil, and they're screwing up the uh, local economy. And they pay no attention to the fact that the, uh, the competitors, uh, you know, the egg manufacturers, or they have the, some sort of, uh, I don't know, carpenters, or uh, I, I forget other um, uh, people there, uh, when they give it out for free. Well, these people could just uh, stock up, and uh, then when the, the giving uh, stops, then, then come back into the market and charge high prices. But uh, the, the film never says that if you charge high prices, the, uh, the authority is going to come get you. They're, they're going to accuse you of, um, the, what is it, uh, uh, what's the gouging. word I'm looking for? Uh, yeah, gouging. gouging. They're going to yeah. accuse you of profiteering and gouging. Now, if they had said that, then I'd be a fan of this movie. But they don't say that. They, they just say that, you know, the churches are screwing up the economy. And uh, they don't uh, realize that the free enterprise system of which charitable giving is part uh, can uh, deal with this sort of a thing. That's not the enemy. The enemy is government. And, and very peripherally, on passant, they attack government, but their main focus, the, their main target is, is private enterprise, uh, these churches. And, you know, I don't like a movie that makes as its main target the private enterprise. Uh, let, let, let the main enemy be the government. The government is the main enemy of progress, not the uh, well-meaning but the unsophisticated uh, charitable givers. Yeah, you know, I think different people seeing this movie are going to perceive different things out of it because I felt like they were critical of the government infrastructure being the centerpiece of the apparatus that these uh, private donations would sort of uh, be funneled into. Um, And I also didn't see them saying, you know, don't do charitable giving, but maybe rethink the methods and and what the potential effects might be. Uh, They said that, like, their example was that the Marshall Plan was an outdated model that, in their view, worked well uh, at the time, but then was no longer working in today's world. And uh, you seem to have a similar opinion uh, based on um, Peter Bauer, though I, I've always understood, you know, beyond the, the high school level of understanding the Marshall Plan, like even the Mises Institute, there's an article by Jeffrey Tucker from 1997 where he's very critical of the Marshall Plan. And uh, I think that many other of the uh, libertarian type, Austrian econ- economist types, would criticize the Marshall Plan as not actually being the impetus behind recovery in Europe, but it was actually in the way of recovery. And the money was, you know, based on theft, right, of the American taxpayers. Oh, yeah. Look, I'm not defending the Marshall Plan. I'm just saying, you know, there's this joke. uh, The economist was asked, uh, how is your wife? And the answer was, compared to what? I mean... (laughs) Look, whenever it's government-to-government government, uh, transfers of income, that, that's very bad. But what, the, uh, what these churches are doing is private-to-private. Uh, private. And, and the movie is likening that to government-to-government. To government. Look, it's very bad when the government uh, gives Marshall Plan money to uh, government in, um, in Europe. 
because it's theft from the, the people uh, in the United States, and uh, the uh, government in, in the recipient country uses the money to aggrandize itself. But what's happening in Poverty, Inc. is only peripherally is government involved, and, and to that extent that the movie attacks the government, I'm all for it. Look, the, the, government, uh, the movie is not 100% bad. There are some good things. But, uh, but the main focus, the, the reason that this sticks in my craw, the reason that this uh, movie uh, stands head and shoulders over many other movies uh, in the libertarian community is because they're not attacking only government. They're attacking private enterprise too. And when you attack private enterprise, all supporters of private enterprise should object to it. And here we find the Acton Institute uh, supporting this, which I find um, highly problematic. Okay, well, and, and to point out your, um, you know, the Marshall Plan government-to-government transfer, I like this Ron Paul quote that uh, foreign aid is money from poor people in rich countries to rich people in poor countries. And excellent, of excellent point. Yeah. Uh, let me mention one other thing, uh, and I do mention this in our paper that I co-authored with Nathan Fryzak, and that's the whole thing of, um, what is it, the Standard Oil? Why did Standard Oil uh, uh, become a monopoly, so-called? I, I don't think it was a monopoly. I think monopoly should be reserved for government grants of privilege. Uh, the argument uh, was, uh, and, and uh, there's this guy, um, I think John McGee in the 1960 uh, Journal of Law and Economics really blows a hole in this. The argument was that uh, what Standard Oil would do is Standard Oil was uh, all over the place, all over the, uh, all over the country, and it would attack, uh, I don't know, some oil refiner, say, in Louisiana. How would it attack it? It would sell oil for a much lower price. Uh, than, than the prevailing price, and it would lose money, but where would it get the money uh, with which to uh, finance the loss from every other standard oil company? And then uh, the Louisiana local refiner would go broke, and now uh, they would triple their prices and now start attacking somebody in Ohio uh, with money from every other standard oil plus Louisiana, which was now uh, tripling or quadrupling the price. And uh, John McGee uh, showed that this was nonsense. Uh, what, he, what he said is, look, when Standard Oil is, is selling uh, oil refining in, in Louisiana, he's not going to bankrupt the Louisiana uh, oil refiners. What, what, the oil, what the Louisiana oil refiners are going to do is, is send out a message to their customers saying, hey, look, everybody buy Standard Oil uh, uh, Standard Oil oil. Uh, because uh, they're selling it way below uh, the cost of producing it. And we're going to buy some too, and, and we're, and we're going to not shut down, but we're going to have a, like a skeleton crew. And as soon as they get tired of losing money, we'll go back in the business. Namely, th this idea couldn't work. And McGee shows that the, the reason that uh, Rockefeller did so well is he had uh, technology that was a better way of refining oil than, than the competitors. But this is the same economic model that the Acton Institute uh, through Poverty Inc. is, is attacking. And it's fallacious. The, the, these people ought to read the, the McGee article, which is an excellent article that um, undermines the fallacious economics of the standard oil uh, analysis. And yet uh, Poverty Inc. is doing the same thing. Now, look, I don't, uh, I don't say that, they, that the movie is 100% bad. The, to the extent they attack government, and I think it was only peripherally that they attack government, they're good. But it was only peripheral. The main focus of this was to attack private enterprise. And if uh, a lefty group, if Bernie Sanders and Corp did this, well, no, uh, no libertarians would be fooled. But, but since the Acton Institute and other free market people support this, uh, you know, people are fooled uh, who shouldn't be fooled, who should know better. And do you think, uh, Dr. Block, do you think this is uh, intentional on the part of the Acton Institute, or do you think this is just them dropping the ball? 
Oh, no, I, I don't think it's intentional. I think these are good people. I mean, you know, their, their hearts are pure. I know Bob Sirico for years, and, and uh, Markets and Morality is a very good um, uh, institution, of a very good periodical. No, I can't believe that they're purposely trying to undermine I don't think they've gone commie. Uh, I think this is an era of, uh, of judgment, not an era of morality. Oh, God forbid that they would do that. No, no, no. So perhaps they just forgot uh, where Hazlitt or Bastiat may apply to the to the scenario at play here. Yes, that would be precisely my analysis of it. They they just dropped the ball. It was inadvertent. They they uh, should take uh, better economics courses. They should read Murray Rothbard and Henry Hazlitt and Bastiat a, a little bit more. Uh, so I can't believe that this was a purposeful attempt to undermine uh, what they stand for, and what they stand for is pretty much uh, free enterprise. No, I think that this is just a, a mistake. It's a common mistake to think that somehow the charitable uh, sector is not part of the free enterprise system. It is. So I think it's a mistake. Uh, what do they call it in Catholic theology? A, a mortal sin and a venal sin? I think it's a venal sin, not a mortal sin. All right. So, so you're loosening up. Walter Moderate Block is, is kind of coming out now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, no, I think this is good. Uh, we had recently done another sort of documentary uh, movie, and it was The Inequality for All by Robert Reich. That was our episode 49. Oh, and yeah, he's an evil man. Yeah, oh, that one was horrible. terrible. We ripped that one apart for about 90 minutes. And then there was Nickeled and Dimed by some woman uh, socialist. I forget who she was. Um, there, there are a lot of lefty things. Robert Reich is pure evil, and, and this Nickeled and Dimed lady is very bad. I, I think that the Poverty Inc. is not in that category. It's just a you know, mistake. Well-intentioned, but mistaken. All right. Well, All right. it sounds like Dr. Block is uh, on the black and, gold, or black and red on the terms of the spectrum of our, our analysis here. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't what, catch what, that black and red. What's that? Black we've got a rating system on the show. We either go uh, black and gold for good, and you recommend this movie to be seen, or black and red, you do not recommend this movie. Do you oh, recommend this movie black to be seen red. by anybody? Well, no, I think everyone should see it. Uh, I okay. don't think people shouldn't see it, but uh, people should see it with um, a jaundiced eye. They should read the article that, that I wrote with uh, Nathan Fryzak and then watch it. And, and uh, I think it would be an edifying experience. So I think people should watch it. Uh, I just think it's mistaken. But look, you know, we, we, we read Keynes, we read Marx, we read uh, Robert Reich, uh, right? Uh, so we should be aware of what the, I won't say the enemy is saying, but we should be aware of fallacious economics as well as good economics. Yeah, I like your recommendation to read your paper before watching the movie because I, I did it the other way around. And I had previously held the position that your paper had, but then when I watched the movie, I found it rather compelling in some of its rhetoric. And then in reading your paper, I was brought back to reality for the most part. Okay, <laughs> read the paper before and after. I mean, you know, they say, what is it? Um, a picture is worth a thousand words, and a moving picture is probably worth a hundred thousand words. So a moving picture has got music, it's got people, you know, it, it's more interesting than just reading an article, even though uh, I pat myself on the back. Nathan and I wrote a very good article. It's interesting, it's well written, but it can't compete with a movie. So I would say read the paper first, then see the movie, and then read the paper again. Yeah, sounds like good advice. Yeah, so we'll, we'll put a link to that in the uh, show notes page, and this show notes page will be actualanarchy.com slash 51. Great. Well, thanks for having me on your show. It was a pleasure to uh, mouth off about this movie, and I'd be happy to come on your show any other time. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, Robert and I may just uh, continue rambling on for a little bit and close out the show, but uh, you're free to hang out or, or drop off, whatever you'd like. 
Um, well, I'm working is, on defending uh, defending the undefendable three, and I'm going to get back to that. And I'll wish you guys the best of luck in, in your show. Okay, I hope you uh, I hope you find um, room for the the zombie article. <laughs> ah. <laughs> right, zombies aren't all bad. All right, voluntary well, zombies anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for for joining us, uh, Walter, and uh, we'd love to have you back sometime uh, in the near future. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye. Dr. All right, Bach, everybody. All right. All right. Well, I think that was uh, that was pretty good. Um, I think he came out of the gates pretty pretty heavy against the movie, and then sort of moderated a little bit as we pointed out a few you know a few positives for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he makes a few concessions in the paper about the uh, you know the ex post and the, the long term effects and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I would say the paper is is highly critical, much in the same way that of what he was just saying. Although he does recommend people see it, like we did, you know, read it, watch it, discuss it. Yeah, and I think there, there's a good point to be made that maybe, you know, it is something worth considering and thinking about. Uh, and in reading his paper before reading, before watching the movie, then you're sort of inoculated against the uh, economic problems that, that are present in the film. Uh, but I still think it asks good questions. And because you and I are already critical of government, I think we saw it with the more jaundiced eye of, well, the government is sort of the primary mover here in allocating where these funds go and in preventing the people in the third world countries from being able to lift themselves up because of all the restrictions and the lack of recognition of property rights and uh, the legal structure and all the rest. And so because we are already sort of um, from that viewpoint, I feel like we saw this movie in um, a bit more differently than, than your average viewer might. And also differently than Walter did, because I think he's so much more <laughs> advanced uh, than us in the economic things that all he saw were the problems. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, one thing we didn't mention is that the movie starts and ends with the we are the world type, there will be Christmas, no Christmas in Africa, and all the celebrity stuff. Uh, what, did, what was your reaction to that? Because, yeah, mine was, was fairly negative. I mean, they seem to have their hearts in the right place, and they want to help, and that sort of thing. But the, um, the people in the film are highly critical of the celebrity perspective. Yeah, I think they probably we're focusing on the emotion, like feeling patronized to right. or talked down to or, or about as if they are helpless and uh, need the help. When I go back to, you know, I think it's the governments there uh, preventing them from being more autonomous right. and being able to lift themselves up. Um, because like most of the, most of the problems that I think are there, uh, like the famine that was in Ethiopia, I believe that, and, and fact check me on this, but I believe it was a result of, of some central planning type uh, failure by the government. I won't, I, I won't fact check you, but I'm sure our listeners could. <laughs> that sounds like, it sounds right, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's the famous Holodomor, which is the Russian famine of, I believe, like the 1920s or the 1930s or whatever. I think it's the 20s. Yeah, that was the Ukraine, Central, right? Yeah, the Ukraine where the uh, Russian government prevented, you know, just basically took all their food left them with very little. I mean, it was, it was so horrific to the point where people were selling human body parts to try and survive. Right. And there was a recent movie about that, uh, Bitter Harvest, I think. Yep. And that might be one that we should uh, watch and potentially do a show on. And uh, speaking of that event, um, Tom Woods just reposted an episode of his. It's his uh, tomwoods.com slash 399. So it's, it's, it's uh, 600 episodes back. But it was about the uh, Russian Revolution because that recently had the 100-year anniversary. And he goes into the Lenin takeover and 
the resulting economic chaos and including the starvations and all of that. So I think that's an interesting thing to also look at and, and you know, almost purely, well, actually purely a government problem. And this, this show's going to have a lot of show notes. It's going to be a, a little library down underneath. It'll be good. I know. I'm going to have to re-listen to this and, like, make notes of all the things I said I'm going to post in the show notes page. <laughs> but... Uh, Let's see. Uh, where else do you want to take us, Robert? Well, uh, one thing that Dr. Block kept saying, and that I didn't really get when I watched the movie, was he said that the movie demonized international trade and like romanticized uh, like buying local and that sort of thing. And I can only assume that he meant by that when they talked to the Haitian um, solar power people. The they, were selling, they were selling locally in Port-au-Prince and maybe the, the local rice farmers, like they should buy from the local rice farmers, that sort of thing. I, I, don't, I didn't really get that so much. I just thought that the movie said, well, these local rice farmers can't compete with the free rice that's coming in, so therefore they're going to go out of business. I thought that was more of a just a, well, this is what's going to happen, not necessarily saying that, well, people should go ahead and pay the higher prices just to keep their local farmers in business. I don't think the movie said that at all. Well, I think towards I the just, end, in the talking head interview portion with um – with the lady who was talking about Bono and how he had sort of a mixed message in the same speech where he's like, free market enterprise is the way to get people out of poverty, but we also need more aid. And she was confused by that message. I think her portion was, but we also need to develop local economies and buy local and have, you know, protectionism and eschew the the, uh, (laughs) international trade when, you know, Walter Block is correct. There is benefits to trade. The consumers in the receiving country are getting more goods, higher quality goods at lower prices. I don't remember her saying that. If she said that, if she said buy locally and you have protectionism, then yeah, absolutely no. <laughs> That's absolutely wrong. Yeah, I don't I, remember that part, but that, yeah, that very I, well could be in there. Pretty sure it was in there. Uh, but, you know, overall, I think uh, Walter's got some pretty, pretty good criticisms, and, and he does hold this to a higher standard because of the or, origin. Um, yeah. I find it interesting that, that uh, Tom Woods was positive as he was about the film, uh, but he was also interviewing the, the director, writer, uh, producer guy. So right, right. it's mm-hmm. sort of hard to shit on the guy's stuff right in front of him. <laughs> right. You're not having a debate about the merits of the movie. You're kind of just talking about him and whatever. Right, which is one of the reasons I like the format of our show, because we're talking about something else, so it's, it's a little bit easier to kind of be a uh, touch more critical. Yeah, we're not always talking about how I'm a terrible person. That's right. Good. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I, I don't really have any more notes. I think we pretty much covered it before Dr. Block came on, and then Dr. Block uh, smashed it. And then, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie. Like I said, I think it's got its issues. And maybe I think Dr. Block is more right in that you know when the movie does kind of conflate it shows it shows the you know the volatility of the market therefore these entrepreneurs are having trouble dealing with it well i would say yeah no on the one hand you know tough titty on the other hand i have sympathy for the entrepreneur in the world um especially when they're having to deal with all the government regulations and all this other stuff so yeah uh a lot of issues, but in the end, I don't necessarily say it's a work of pure evil, like Dr. Block says. All right, so you're probably going to go a little black and gold on this sucker? Yeah, I'm going to go black and gold. Um, I think it does drop the ball. I think there are mistakes and fallacies, but and it should be seen by with a with a you know critical eye 
and it should be. I think I think Dr. Buck's article is should be read before and after. I would, like I I did with you. I just watched the movie and then I I read the the article. And like we had talked with Drake in the past, um, we were more on the side of the article beforehand. And then watching the movie, it found it fairly compelling. And then the article, yeah, I don't think I don't think the article's perfect either. And I think he makes some concessions in the article, like the whole argument of just dumping aid on people doesn't create the most incentivized, productive person, like much like a parent. Like I mean, he said that. Dr. Block said that. He's like, I, you know. Um, I would treat you know, someone in the market differently than I would treat my child. And I think that's a fair, fair statement to make. Just because right. something supposedly benefits somebody in the beginning, like you wouldn't necessarily want that for somebody in the long term. Right, and, and he is careful to couch his argument within the paper to just the particular economic component and the ex-ante uh, aspect of it. So right. the, the negative effects downstream, which are potential but they could also you know, be in any market transaction, which charity would be. Uh, so right. there's no guarantees, of course. Um, right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that knowing that the paper is, is confined to that one small area makes the paper correct, if not, I think, a bit of uh, a harsh stretch to then throw the baby out with the bathwater, like we were saying, because he did right. come out of the gates super, super critical of the entire movie being evil, but then did walk it back a little bit with us because there was on the periphery some anti-government sentiment to it. Yes, right. And I, and I agree that it should have been more along the lines of the anti-government stuff. I think towards the end of the movie where they're talking about the property rights and the, the, the horrific path to being a fully, regular, or a fully licensed company, those kind of things are really strong. And it's not as strong when it's kind of playing on your emotions to have an entrepreneur talk about his hardships. That is right. a bit unfair because you can't conflate this one hardships by this one entrepreneur with doing everybody ill. That, that's a fallacy for sure. Right, and that's one of the things that these documentaries like to do is pick out a few case study sob stories to hit their points on the emotional notes. Uh, we saw that with Inequality for All with the Costco couple and a few other examples, and they do a similar thing here. Um, the one other sort of anti-government sentiment towards the end, which I really liked, and I want to make sure we mention it, is the one guy who was talking about the types of generations in Africa, in, maybe in, in a particular country, but potentially in Africa in general, where he was talking about the cheetah generation versus the hippo generation. Right, the hippos, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the hippos were the ones who are sort of the uh, entrenched interests who are glomming onto the political power, the political apparatus to protect themselves, cartelize, monopolize, et cetera, establish their, or maintain their established position. Versus the cheetah generation, which he basically said was, they're not going to wait for the governments to grant them uh, privilege or grant them things. They're going to go out and do it themselves. And I felt that that was a good message. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I also like that they talked about the difficulty in securing a loan. I thought that was nice um, because they didn't have the landed titles. And so they couldn't have collateral on a loan. That's a issue. But th those are libertarian free market issues, right? I mean, we're, ta we're, we're talking about a society based on private property rights. And I think this, this movie, although it got some broken window fallacies and some candle maker fallacies wrong, um, it, it, at its heart, I think it was more of uh, talking about private property rights as being the solution. So right. And, and I, give it a, I give it a tentative black and gold. All right. And I'll, I'll agree with you for the most part that at its heart, the, the core issue really is the government is the problem. 
though I think that they don't devote nearly as much attention to it, and they do have the economic fallacies like we were just talking about. So I'm going to tentatively also give it a black and gold slash black and gray. Uh, I think that this is this is one of those where um, you know you get a prescription and you need to take it with food. I think that that is the case here. You need to watch this movie after having read Block's article, Block, Walter Block and Nathan um, Physic, I think is his name, or Physic, uh, and then watch the movie and then read it again. I think that they kind of need to go together so that you can correct for the economic mistakes that are in here and potentially get to the message that you and I got out of it, which is that government is the problem here. Yeah, government is the problem, but I also want to reiterate, and I've mentioned this a couple times, but that charity is good, but don't sat, don't be satisfied with just you know charity being good. I, I think the movie does make a decent case for maybe there's a better way to help people, and that's just a function of the market. The, the market is a way to figure out the best way to do something, and maybe just giving people stuff isn't the best way. Maybe international trade is the best way. Maybe something we haven't discovered yet is the best way. Or a variety so, of ways. Or a variety of ways. Maybe charity works better for some people and not others. Maybe a whole ton of aid at one point is really good, but then continual aid later on maybe isn't the greatest thing long down the road. I think yeah. there's a variety of uh, activities, and information is good. So ideas are all should be you know examined and um, rejected or accepted based on their merits. Yeah, and I think considering that it is a market and that there should be some sort of feedback mechanism in play, that there would be a way to uh, better craft the modes of uh, deploying these, you know, donations or whatever. Uh, and I liken it to like a cone type structure, like at the very widest and most removed from the situation, you've got sort of the bureaucratic state run apparatus, which has very little responsiveness to uh, any feedback mechanisms. They're sort of in it for their own sake. Like if they right. solve the problem, they're out of a job. Uh, they're living high on the hog. They're getting the tax free. They've got the land cruisers. They've got the servants. Why should they solve the problem they're there to solve? if that means that they're going to lose all of that. So they're right. You have mentioned, you've mentioned in the past, um, you know, if, if, if your job depends on you not seeing a problem, then it's going to be really hard for you to see that problem. Right, right. And then moving down my theoretical cone structure here, then you get into the NGO types and the uh, organizations, the churches, the uh, sort of do-gooder organizations that do need to see some feedback with what they're doing, right? Like they do need to see that some good is, is happening or they're going to change course. Like the example in the movie was they gave eggs for a certain period of time and then they stopped. They moved their uh, donation efforts to another area of the world because they felt that it was uh, more needy or whatever. And then you proceed further down the cone and it's, you know, you and me, the individual, uh, a family situation, or we're sending money to somebody overseas, we're sponsoring a child ourselves, whatever. Uh, that's where you get the immediate feedback. You know, I mean, sure, there's the enabling parent who keeps giving their kid money, uh, buying the sob story, you know, that they're going to turn their life around and then they don't and they don't, they don't. But eventually, sometimes they do. Like my brother's an example of that. He was enabled for a few years and uh, we'd see him, you know, just around the holidays and you always have this, I'm, I'm getting better kind of story, but I just need a little bit more money. I need a little bit more whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it was only after that was cut off that he right. finally turned it around. And now he's doing very, very well. He's Married, got kids, nice house, uh, doing very well financially, uh, economically, occupationally, et cetera, et cetera. But it was only because he was no longer able to sort of have that pseudo basic uh, income guarantee from my mom. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, if all your needs are met, what incentives do you have to get your shit together? If you're being subsidized, if your current behavior is being subsidized, 
what incentive do you have to change it? Right, and you've made the point many times, you subsidize the thing you want more of. So if you want more poverty, you pay people to be poor. Right. And I, I wish we'd brought that up with Walter, because um, I think that would be an interesting conversation to have, because it, it sort of merges the ex-ante in a more immediate sense, I think. Like, it, it brings ex-post and ex-ante almost to the same point. Right, yeah, no, that's a good idea. We should have... <laughs> I, I, I had written down in my notes to say that, and I failed to do it, so you can blame me. Oh, that's okay. I think he was still uh, still a very uh, very good guest to have on, especially for this for this movie. And uh, like like we've said a couple of times, I do recommend seeing this movie, but take it with food, take it with the nourishing of knowledge from the paper that Walter and Nathan wrote. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our Thanksgiving special here at the Actual Anarchy Podcast. Unless, Robert, you have anything else you'd like to add. Uh, Black Friday is coming up. People can smash the uh, Amazon search buttons on our website and, and do their Black Friday and Cyber Monday shopping if they want to support the site. Uh, be great. Get any other, you know, like holiday messaging out for, uh, for the peeps? Uh, hug your family. Give them some love. Live free. Spread the ideas of liberty as delicately as you can, I suppose. Don't get into too many contentious arguments. Uh, you know, we get together on the holidays to be with our family and loved ones, to spread joy and happiness. Um, and while I'd like to always take an opportunity to spread the ideas of liberty, um, you know, also just have a good time. <laughs> so get out there and uh, bond with people, if you can, with your, your, status, your status relatives. Because you never know when they're going to be gone. I'm sorry. Death is a part of life. Deal with it. <laughs> All right, that's a good turn at the end there. <laughs> Happy holidays. We're all going to die. <laughs> well, uh, thank you guys very much. Have a very happy Thanksgiving. And if you like the work that we do here, uh, check out our tip jar page at actualanarchy.tipjar or .com slash tipjar or our Patreon page. We can get all sorts of goodies like the Rothbard Repository, which is a searchable database of Murray Rothbard lectures. Uh, we've got the readitfor.me. We've got Liberty Classroom, the Amazon links, of course. And uh, we're going to be doing um, another show coming up uh, this upcoming Sunday. It'll be episode 52, and I believe it's going to be The Founder, the Ray Kroc uh, McDonald's movie. Sound good to you, Robert? Uh, yeah, definitely. That should be a good one. Check it out and see it if you haven't seen it. All right, and that's probably one you can see ahead of time. So uh, mark it down now. Uh, it'll come out the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it'll be episode 52. This is episode 51, a Thanksgiving special with Dr. Walter Block on Poverty, Inc., and can be found at actualanarchy.com slash 51. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and thank you very much. Good night. The Chipmunks. C-H-I-P-M-U-N-K. We're the chipmunks. Guaranteed to brighten your day. Do, 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 do